أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد أغازم دان أفل يعني بن شتم كي خوب أزبكلار وار ومسجد دار وار ما Özbeklar var mı? Var. Maşallah. Kuşkunupsuzlar. Kuşkunupsuzlar. Barakallahu fikum. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he asked a question in his book. It is a very simple question and it is in the juz amma. Undoubtedly many of our children have memorized the ayah. He says, Ya eyyuhal insanu, ma gharraka bi rabbikal kareem. O mankind, O insan, O human being, what has cheated you and what has uh, 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 put you in a wrong impression with regards to your Lord who is always generous? Your Lord who is generous, who is, is completely and thoroughly generous and was always generous with you. This is an important question. This Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who says in his book as a commandment to his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Say, Ya Muhammad alayka salatu wa salam to my slaves who have committed excess against themselves. Do not ever give up hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala because Allah Ta'ala forgives all sins. Indeed, he was always forgiving and indeed he was all merciful. This is not merely a motivational expression that you can put up on your Twitter and on your Facebook in order to get likes, in order to make you feel good about yourself. In fact, if a person understands the grammar of the Arabic language, it's amr, it's a command, it's an imperative uh, expression. You are not allowed to give up hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the meaning of this commandment? Don't ever give up hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The meaning is explained in a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You don't have to go to madrasa to read it. You don't have to read Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim. You can find it in the Riyadh al-Salihin. It's a hadith Qudsi in which the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam relates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O son of Adam, even if your sins fill the horizons as far as the eye can see, if you seek my forgiveness, I will forgive you. It's not even a big deal. It's not even a thing. It doesn't bother me in the least. What does it mean, don't ever give up hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala? It means that your sins are nothing compared to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is the one who's laysaka mithlihi shay. Allah Ta'ala is the one who's walam yakullahu kufu anahad. Allah Ta'ala is the one that there's nothing like unto him. Allah is the one that there's no one like unto him. Jalla wa'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's that tudrikul absar wa huwa yudrikul absar. The eyesights cannot see him even though he apprehends all the eyesights, jalla wa ala. That Allah ta'ala is transcendent over his creation. There's nothing that you and I can do as a sin that's going to bother Allah ta'ala. Don't you see when you wash your hands, you put soap on your hands, mashallah. We have some doctors here also like Dr. Ibrahim and other doctor, Hazrat, mashallah. When you wash your hands with soap, or when you get, get, get a couple of pumps of the, uh, of the uh, sanitizer, 
You kill bacteria by the millions, billions, God knows a huge number of bacteria that you kill. Now tell me something, is one particular one of the bacteria more offensive to you than the other one? Is it? Have you ever like felt endearment toward one of them and like been upset with the other one? You produce too much toxin, you're, you're doing just fine, I like you. No. If you have this problem, we write a referral to psych psychologist. You have some issues, you need to go see the psych. Why? Because it's so irrelevant. It's something that uh, considered a type of mental illness, type of mental sickness. Allah Ta'ala says, even if, you're, even if your sins fill the horizons as far as I can see. We have some intelligent people here, mashallah. You know, your eye can see other galaxies. Your eye can see like millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions and probably billions of light years away. Maybe there's some person who's such a mufsid, such a mischief maker, that they'll do some sin that will literally fill the universe with, with, the, with the effect of their mischief. For the people who have a literalist bent in interpreting the kitab and sunnah, let them know that Allah Ta'ala is the one who says, if you seek my forgiveness, I will forgive you without ubali. It doesn't bother me one bit. The idea that someone would give up hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala itself is a type of khafi, it's a type of subtle arrogance, it's a type of subtle takabur. That a person could think that they can do something that's going to bother Allah Ta'ala that much. He's the one who wrote as fixed as a commandment on himself that my mercy outstrips my wrath. He's the one who wrote as a commandment and fixed as a commandment over himself that my mercy outstrips all things. He's the one, Jalla he named himself Ar-Rahman and he named himself Ar-Rahim. He's the one who commanded the creation not to give up hope in his mercy. Brothers and sisters, the issue is not from the side of Allah Ta'ala, the issue is from our own side. Why? What happens? A person commits a sin and then when they commit a sin, they're, they're shackled with guilt. And people don't like guilt. And so what do they do? They try to run away from it. Because the nafs has a, a number of bad habits. And one of its bad habits is that it doesn't like blame. Any nafs which is able to take blame on itself, this nafs has, this uh, uh, soul and this self has, attained a great maqam with Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala swears an oath only by those things that are great. By the sun and by the moon. And by the, uh, uh, the dawn when it breaks. And by all of these different things, by the, uh, uh, by, by, by the sun when it rises, all of these things Allah Ta'ala takes an oath by time. He only takes an oath by great things. He also, وَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالنَّفْسِ اللَّوَامَ Allah Ta'ala takes an oath by the nafs that is able to accept blame. The nafs that's able to accept blame. Why? Because this is also something great in the, uh, in the, uh, 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 in the book of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and in the court of Allah Ta'ala, that nafs which is able to accept blame is a great nafs. Why? Because once you can accept blame, you can accept responsibility. Once you can accept responsibility, you can repent to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala from your sin. And once you repent to Allah Ta'ala from your sin, you get forgiven. Because Allah Ta'ala has no need to punish anybody. Allah has no need to punish anybody. If somebody takes your wallet, you have to punish them. Why? If you don't, they're going to do it again next time. If somebody tries to burn your house down, if somebody tries to kill somebody, you have to stop them. We have to have police, we have to have courts, we have to have all of these things in this world. Why? Because if you don't try to stop them, what's going to happen? They're going to hit you again and again and again. Entire society will break down, it will become chaos. Nobody will be able to have the luxury of sitting inside the Islamic center of Akron, Canton in order to uh, hear about spiritual discourse with regards to uh, repentance. Why? Because everyone's going to be busy trying to stay alive. Everyone's going to be busy trying to 
protect the small amount of uh, material wealth and material possessions that they have. They're going to be trying to keep their food from being stolen, etc., etc. It's going to destroy all of the, the entire maqsid, the entire point of a person's life, which is to transcend the animal-like nature and the animal-like existence that a human being has a propensity toward and try to raise one's heart and one's mind in, into looking into the angelic realm and achieve something from, uh, uh, from, from one's potential. This nafs, if it cannot accept blame, it becomes like shaitan. Shaitan made an iblis, made a, 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 a mistake. Allah Ta'ala commanded this iblis to make sajda in front of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and the iblis didn't do it. And then what happens? Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala chastises him for it. And so he has a choice now. He can either say, yeah, that's my bad. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim. The angels ask Allah Ta'ala a question when Allah created the man, mankind. Will you put this human being inside this earth that will cause mischief and spill blood? We're already here. We worship you. We glorify your praises and, 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 and consider you as holy. We consider you to be holy. Why would you put this insan in this earth? Allah Ta'ala stopped them. He says, look, this question, there's no, this is a dead-end question. I know something you don't know. What did they say? They say, glory be to you. We have no knowledge except for the knowledge that you've given us. Indeed, you're the all-knowing and you're the all-wise. Iblis also had an objection. Why should I make sajda in front of this Adam? But instead of what? Turning around and coming back. Instead of walking it back. Look. Even the angels, their objection is relatively well-founded. Because if you open any you know, credible news site, what are human beings doing? They're causing mischief and they're spilling blood. So it's a relatively accurate prognostication. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still understood something that they didn't. He reminded them and they, they walked it back before it became too late. What did Iblis do? He says, no, I'm not only going to insist on what I did, but I'm going to try to like destroy all of them too. I'm going to try to destroy the entire world. I'm going to cause as much mischief as I can before you stop me from causing that mischief. <coughs> this brothers and sisters, this is a, a very strange, a very strange propensity. Every nafs has it inside. Which is what? If I'm wrong, everyone's wrong. If I'm stupid, everybody's stupid. If I'm, uh, 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 if I'm like not given what I want, then no one should get what they want. Every ego, every nafs, every self has this propensity inside. When somebody tells you, fear Allah, and you say, look after yourself, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu narrates that, 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 that this is something the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa considered to be a very bad sign in a person. Considered to be a very bad sign in a person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again and again urges a person to humble themselves. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa again and again urges a person to humble themselves. We become so sensitive if someone gives you the dua, may Allah guide you. What do we do? We take it straight on the, we take it straight on the cheek. What are you saying? Are you saying that I'm misguided? No, if they wanted to say that, they would have said it. They might even mean that you're misguided, but who cares, they didn't say it. If someone says, may Allah guide you, say, Ameen. Without the guidance of Allah Ta'ala, I promise you, you won't even be able to find your car in the parking lot. Forget about being a Muslim and forget about you know, memorizing the Quran and all of those things. You'll wake up in the morning, you won't find your way from your bedroom to the bathroom. What's wrong with receiving this dua? 
what happens? The nafs has this propensity inside of it that like something small goes wrong and it just wants to destroy everything. It wants to destroy itself and it wants to destroy everybody else as well. Who does that remind you of? Who does that remind you of? Iblis. One thing goes wrong, he destroyed himself. He, not, he made the decision that now forever I'm going to disobey Allah and I'm also going to make sure that everybody else goes to the same Jahannam that I chose for myself. If Iblis did it, that's Iblis, that's his gig, that's what he does. Why would you do that? Why would I do that? And I'm telling you, mashallah, by Allah's fadl, I we read the Aqidah Tahawiyah in full, not in the Madaris and in the uh, Jami'at Islamiyah, but in MSAs and in different masajid all over the world. In the last three years, perhaps we've made khatam of the Tahawiyah, I think we're up to like 28 times now, mashallah. People who don't believe in Allah, people who say that they, I was a Muslim, I don't believe in God anymore, 9 out of 10 of them, it has nothing to do with any sort of uh, theological issue. What is it? You see somebody, they're an alcoholic, they're addicted to drugs. Someone has a girlfriend or a boyfriend or God knows what other permutation of uh, friends that people want to make friends, quote unquote. And they don't want to give it up. They know it's haram, they don't want to give it up. And so you have two, two choices. You can either admit that you're doing something wrong and the rest of the world carries on normal, intact. Or you can what? Try to rip the entire world apart. You know, they see people say this is a, you know, this is a, a curse, you know, in, 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 in Hindi they say, satya You know what that means? Satya is like the Sanskrit word for like, like the reality that underpins the entire universe. So satya nas is like, may reality rip apart, unfold in front of your eyes. It's a very philosophical way of cursing somebody out, right? That's what they do, satya nas, they destroy, they, they just, everything becomes, uh, it, it, the entire creation should unravel just because you're guilty about one thing that you do. Reality itself, logic should unravel because you're guilty about something you do. Tell me something. Why, why do we believe in Allah? Do we believe in Allah because we pray five times a day? That's not a proof of anything. Do you pray, believe in Allah because you fast in Ramadan? That's not a proof for anything. Why do you believe in Allah? Why? Because if I was to tell you this, this phone that's like recording uh, this lecture right now, that you know what, one day just bam, it appeared uh, on my dresser. You'd say you're an idiot, you're a moron, someone put it there, nothing appears on the dresser on its own, right? Right? That's stupid, like you, a kafir would agree that that's a dumb thing to say. And as a Muslim, you, we would also agree that's a dumb thing to say. Now tell me something, is what's greater, the phone or the entire universe? The entire universe is bigger than the phone, right? You're, I mean, you're not the Grand Sheikh of Al-Azhar, but that much you understood, right? The universe is bigger than the phone. The phone is part of the universe, right? So if the phone can't appear on its own, can the universe appear on its own without any outside intervention? No. That's a very rational proof. Now tell me something. If a person were to never pray, and a person were to be an alcoholic and a drug addict, and commit zina every day, and uh, rob a bank, and like transact in interest, and do every sin in the book, does that change this logical, uh, 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 this logical and rational reality, rationally necessary reality at all? No. If a person commits a sin, does 2 plus 2 equal 5 because you committed a sin? No. This is that satanic stupidity that's inside every nafs. Which is what? I'm doing something wrong, so I want to destroy all of the other reality in order to fit me being right. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And the issue is this, is that nobody's a pious person. Illa man Allah. Some people are masturul hal. Some people are, Allah Ta'ala protects them. And Allah Ta'ala screens their hal more than other people. Even the Anbiya alayhimu salatu who we consider to be infallible. 
if you look at the word for infallibility in the Arabic language, right? The person who's infallible is ma'asum. Ma'asum is what part of what part of speech? Is it the ism fa'il or is it the ism maf'ul? Ism maf'ul is the passive participle, meaning the isma, the protection isn't generated from inside; it's given externally. Allah is the one who protects them from sin. It's not they themselves that have any intrinsic quality, except for Allah Ta'ala protects them from sin. Nobody, nobody, nobody is uh, 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 protected from this sin at all. Some people, Allah screens them more than He screens other people. So if I were to walk into the masjid right now and crack open a beer, you might be disturbed, right? You should be. But if I walk into the masjid and I'm sitting with whatever, another brother and we backbite somebody, people won't think anything about it. Even though backbiting is actually a bigger sin than, than, than having a beer in the Sharia. This is not a lesson in usul. So for that reason, you know, we can, you can come to like whatever my fiqh dars on Wednesdays in ICC in Parma if you like to, if you really want me to explain to you why. But this is something, this is, this is a, a part of our Sharia. Culturally, we find certain things more offensive than other things. If someone were a banker and they work at the bank and they walked into the masjid, we wouldn't say anything. If somebody was a prostitute and walked into the masjid, we'd be like, Astaghfirullah, what is this? Even though the transaction in riba is a sin bigger than, than prostitution. Go look in the books of fiqh. Certain things culturally are offensive to us and certain things are not offensive to us. Allah puts someone's fitna in, in their sexual desire. Allah Ta'ala puts someone's fitna in drugs and alcohol. Allah Ta'ala puts someone's fitna in backbiting. Allah Ta'ala puts someone's fitna in transacting in riba. Allah puts someone's fitna in lying, cheating, stealing. Some people, their fitna is so subtle. Their preoccupation with halal things stops them from, from uh, uh, getting any benefit from their worship. So they may even pray five times a day, but they're busy thinking about their halal business. Allah Ta'ala tests everybody in a different way. There's nobody who walks into the four walls of the masjid who's an angel, except for the angels themselves. If you're an angel, please make dua for me. For the rest of us, what are you going to do? People ask this question, like I go and like give talks at MSAs or in uh, you know, other like youth programs and things like that. So people will ask this question like anonymously. They'll say, well, Shaykh, you know, I, so I don't pray some, sometimes because of my sins. And then when I want to come to the masjid, I feel like a hypocrite. Because look, you know, you're showing off how pious you are uh, by coming to the masjid, even though you commit all of these sins all the time. I say, that's the way everybody should be in the salat. That's the way everybody should feel in the salat. That's the way pious people feel in the salat. Anyone who comes into the masjid and thinks like, yeah, I'm a good person, that's the worst person in the masjid. That's the worst person in the masjid. That's the person who comes to the masjid just like Iblis. That's the worst person in the masjid is the one who thinks that they're a good person, that they're a pious person. Don't you know our tradition? This is what our tradition is. The Messenger of Allah was very clear. That the best of people are the ones they see that their own faults, they're beholden to their own faults and they're blind to the faults of others. And the worst people are the ones who are beholden to the faults of others and they're blind to their own faults. Most of us are in the middle somewhere. We see some of our own faults and we're blind to some of our own faults. We see some of the other people's faults and we're blind to some of the other people's faults. The best of us is what? Is the one who weeps over their own sin and is distracted from worrying about anybody else's. And the worst of us is the one who weeps and cries and wails and screams over other people's sins and forgets our own. The spiritual world is different than the physical world. Khusro daryae prem ki ulti waki dhar Jo ubra so duba, jo duba so par Khusro, the poet says Khusro Remember that the, the river of love 
the flow of the river of love is something that's like upside down. It's backwards. It's inverted. Because the person who sinks in that river, that's the only one who, uh, the one who floats in that river doesn't go inside. That one is sunk. And the one who sinks in it, that's the only one who will get to the other side. Man the one who humbles himself for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, that person Allah will raise them. If you go to your work and you humble yourself, you know, you're not going to get promoted when it's time for a promotion. But guess what? There's a difference between Allah and your boss. Allah is the boss of bosses. In front of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, the one who lowers themselves and humbles themselves in front of the Lord, that's the one who Allah Ta'ala lifts up. And there was no one more humble in front of the Lord than the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who literally didn't commit sin and he would still make tawbah 70 times and 100 times in a day. Why? Just so that we could see this is what we're supposed to do if that's the one who Allah Ta'ala protected him from sin. And the thing that's mentioned as quote-unquote sin for him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the, uh, in the Quran is like small things like if he missed like the, the, the sunnahs of Salatul Asr or whatever. Which are not even sins in our Sharia. Those things he used to feel pain about them that if my Lord asked me on the day of judgment, what am I going to say? Why did you miss? And he used to cause him pain. Allah Ta'ala gave him tasalli. Allah Ta'ala gave him tasalli. He said, don't worry about it. Don't mourn. Don't grieve about this thing. I've forgiven you even for this much. Even though there's nothing to be forgiven. According to the Sharia, there's nothing to be forgiven. Allah Ta'ala even consoles him from this, from this loss. Brothers and sisters, this is what a person needs to do every day again and again. That a person should make this their wird. They should make this their, their daily zikr. That they make tawbah to Allah Ta'ala again and again from their sins. That a person be happy in front of the Lord. Not in front of other people, right? We're not like the Catholics that we confess our sins to a priest. What is the priest going to do? He's a man, he's a human being just like you. At best, he's a human being just like you. Rather you confess your sins to the Lord and Allah Ta'ala gives you forgiveness. A person wonders in front of Allah Ta'ala, how do I know if I'm forgiven or not? It's interesting, the ulama they mentioned like Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala, you can read in the Riyal Salihin, amongst a, uh, you know, a standard formulation of what tawbah is, of what repentance is amongst a number of ulama. He mentions that there are three conditions or possibly a fourth one, that a person stop the sin that they're committing, that a person feels bad about it and they resolve not to return to it again. And if the sin involves the right of another person, that that right be recompensed or forgiven. This is a very mechanistic definition of Tawbah. This is like a legalistic definition. According to the law, it's a checklist, one, two, three. But a person, perhaps their Tawbah still isn't accepted. Why? Because Islam is more than just the law. Every time someone says something, you know, people say, is it far, do I have to, do I not have to? No, you don't have to. You know, you can go uh, come to the, you know, you can get the Jummah khutbah without, without your shirt on if you, if you want to. You don't have to wear a shirt. But it's not a good idea. Why? Because Islam is more than just the law. Islam is more than just the law. There are so many things if a person were to do them in a bare minimal fashion, it would result in catastrophe. Why? Because Islam is more than just the law. So if legally the tawbah that a person makes requires these three things and possibly a fourth, then know that the inner reality of the tawbah inside of the heart is also mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet wasallam that, that he said wasallam that tawbah is what? That tawbah, that repentance is Nadama, it's nadam, it's that a person should feel, feel, feel remorse for what they did. They should feel genuine remorse. What kind of remorse? One of my asatiza, from whom I read a number of books, I read uh, uh, the Sunan of Abu Dawood from him, I read the front half of Tirmidhi from him, I read the Shamail of Imam Tirmidhi from him, Ilal Musal Salat, uh, 
Mujallad of the Hidayah, I read the front half of the Mishkat al-Masabih, a number of books from him. He mentioned this, that the inner reality of Tawbah is what? The inner reality of, of repentance is what? That imagine a person goes hunting. Mashallah, we're, we're kind of in the backwoods here, you know, I, I kind of, I wanted to avoid the, paying a toll on the, on the turnpike, so I, I took the back, back road here from, from uh, Parma. Right, so you, maybe you guys, some of you guys go hunting on the weekends or anyone who went to school probably, this seems like the type of area the kids in high school go duck hunting or whatever, right? So you go hunting and you have your prey in, in your sights, in the sight of your gun, and you pull the trigger and bam, in the, 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 the loud noise of the, uh, of the discharge of the, uh, of the gunpowder, a person blinks just for a moment and when they open their eyes again, they see that instead of having killed the deer or killed the duck or whatever they're hunting, they ended up killing uh, their only child. What's the feeling a person has in that moment? Is it a good feeling or a bad feeling? It's a bad feeling, right? A person wishes, I could, would give everything I have if I could just take this one moment back. If a person ever feels that burning feeling inside of their heart about something that they did, then inshallah, inshallah, take a sign from Allah Ta'ala that inshallah your tawbah has been accepted. Why? Because in that feeling, wrapped up inside of it is what? Wrapped up inside of it is stopping the sin right away. Wrapped up inside of it is what? Is uh, 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 thinking it's bad. Wrapped up inside of it is what? Resolving never to do it again. Is this person going to say, oh no, I, you know, if I get another chance, I'll shoot my, my child again. No. Wrapped up inside that feeling is the desire to undo the harm of that sin right away. All of these like legalistic uh, uh, components of the definition of Tawbah, they're all wrapped up inside of that how, inside of that, that state that passes over the heart. This is what, this is a prerequisite to making any progress in deen. This is a prerequisite toward making any progress in deen. If a person wishes to pray and they haven't made Tawbah from their sins, their prayer is useless. If a person wishes to fast and they haven't made tawbah from their sins, who, which Allah are you going to ask to accept your fast from? If you're still a rebel against him and then you're like, but by the way, here's a fast. By the way, here's salat. By the way, oh, you know, I became a hafiz. What is he? Allah Ta'ala is pure. He doesn't accept anything other than that which is pure. Allah is, this is a, this is a, a hadith of Sahih Muslim. In case a person, people are like, oh, you know, some people, they quote hadiths in their talks and we don't know if it's Sahih. It's from Muslim. It's a Sahih hadith. Allah Ta'ala is pure and He doesn't accept anything except for that which is pure. You don't have to do a lot, but it has to be clean. Allah Ta'ala won't accept it if it's not clean. This Tawbah, this is why the Messenger of Allah Ta'ala Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's not something that you do like, you know, when you go on Umrah every three, four years. It's not something that you do like uh, in Ramadan and you know the night that the Imam makes khatam and like hour-long dua in the masjid after taraweeh. It's not, no, it's what? It's 70 times a day. It's 100 times a day. A person has to constantly be doing this lest what? Lest all of the other things that they do for the sake of Allah, all of them go down the drain. None of them be, be accepted. Don't you know, you can do everything. Nowadays people don't even have concern to do their, their deeds correctly. You say to somebody, you're not doing your wudu correctly, it's a Allah, brother, don't say anything to me. You, you don't have the right to judge. Only Allah judges. You say, yeah, you, I mean, you're right. I and mean, technically it's not an incorrect statement. But Allah is the one who said that, you know, you have to wash your feet. Allah is the one who said that you have to do wudu in this way and not that way. He's the one who said that you have to follow the, obey the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa 
who said, Inna Allaha la yaqbilu salatan bila tahur wa la sadaqatan min ghulul. Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept uh, a prayer without proper purification and He doesn't accept uh, sadaqah, for, uh, a, a charity from ill-gotten wealth. Right? People won't even accept that you tell them to do things properly. But this is another issue that the usuli uh, 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 scholars, the fuqaha, mention in particular the, 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 the scholars of usul of methodology, that there are three things that are separate from one another. Whether an act is valid or not, whether an act is rewarded or not, and whether an act is accepted or not, these are three completely separate issues. You can do something that is valid, but it may not be accepted by Allah Ta'ala. Somebody may fast and pray, Allah Ta'ala says, I don't want it, find somebody else to accept it. When you go to the mall, if you look at somebody's shop, are you obliged to buy from there? No. If you don't want it, you don't buy it. If Allah Ta'ala doesn't want what you have, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to force him? He himself says he's not obliged to accept it. What is the, the sifa, what is the attribute of that thing that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala accepts? What is the attribute of those people who Allah Ta'ala accepts from? He mentions it in his, in his book. In the story of Habil and Qabil and Cain and Abel, the two brothers, they, they, uh, uh, they both made a sacrifice to Allah and Allah accepted from one of them and He didn't accept from the other. It means what? That the clause that comes after innama is true to the exception of other possibilities. Allah Ta'ala only accepts from the one who fears Him. Allah Ta'ala only accepts from the one who fears Him. This, this, uh, 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 this fear of Allah Ta'ala drives a person to what? To, to, to repent to Allah Ta'ala, not just from sins. Just, you know, if you did something right, technically, legally it's right, but you still don't feel like you did it in the best way possible. You weren't standing straight in your salah. Make tawbah to Allah Ta'ala. Don't be like, who are you to tell me, like, why do I, I don't have, I did it right, I did it right. Why? Allah only accepts from the one who fears Him. This is, this is what, how, how foundational, because you said, okay, this guy is coming to make, make a talk about Tawbah, so he's going to pump up Tawbah, make it sound like the most important thing, and then the next guy who comes next week is going to talk about Siyam, and then he's going to make pump up Siyam and make it the most important thing. What's, what's your proof, other than what I mentioned? Grab the Riyadh al-Salihin. Do you know what the first chapter in Riyadh al-Salihin is? It's Tawbah. It has a Muqaddama as well, but it's what? The first chapter of the actual, the actual nas is what? It's tawbah. Why? Because all of the other lessons you're going to learn from the book. They're all useless if a person doesn't repent to Allah Ta'ala, if they're still in a state of rebelliousness, if they're still in a state of rebelliousness, then it's not going to be accepted. It's not, it's, you can do it, there's no point to it. It's not going to benefit us. This is a problem that we have. We try to take the deen, you know, Allah Ta'ala is the one who says in his book, Enter into the deen completely, with submission completely. Enter into submission to Allah Ta'ala completely, and we're the one who pick and choose like it's smorgasbord, it's like a la carte, it's like the 90s Burger King ad, you have it your way. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. You do it the way Allah Ta'ala wants it, otherwise go do it yourself on the Yom Al-Qiyamah. Entire nations will be burned in the garbage heap of the hellfire. Those people you and me were impressed with in this dunya, they mean nothing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go and help yourself on that day. This is brothers and sisters, the point of mentioning this is not to be fire and brimstone or negative overly, although sometimes perhaps my own slant as a demagogic preacher pushes me toward that direction. But remember this, whenever someone says something in the deen that's really negative, there's always a flip side to, to the coin. That if not making tawbah is so bad, that means what? That making tawbah is what? 
It's so good. How good is it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is the reward of tawbah? It's not simply that a person's sin is forgiven. Imagine someone did something bad, you know, like your parents told you to pray. Obviously, you would never do this, right? But imagine if some kid, like their parents told them to pray. And then they're like, okay. And then like after like an hour, you know, their parents are like, hey, did you pray? And you're like, yeah, I did. And you really didn't. It's bad, right? You didn't, you skipped the prayer and you lied and all that other stuff. And imagine, okay, you go to the masjid and you hear this talk about repentance and about tawbah. And you're like, man, that's bogus. I shouldn't have done that. Then you go and you make the prayer up afterward and you feel bad about it. Yeah, Allah, I'm sorry I did that. I shouldn't have done that. That was like a dumb thing to do, right? What is the reward for that? Not just, not just that the sin is erased from your record. But that Allah Ta'ala will turn the thing that was, you'll get the reward for the prayer and on top of that, the thing that was a sin, even Allah will reward you for that as well. So imagine there are people who are going to go to Jannah, they'll be rewarded for their theft and they'll be rewarded for their drug abuse, they'll be rewarded for their zina, they'll be rewarded for all sorts of sins. Why? Because a day came where they broke down and wept in front of the Lord. And said, Ya Allah, I thought it was cool, I thought it was worth it, it wasn't worth it. It really was in no way, shape or form worth it. The day that person breaks down in front of Allah Ta'ala and admits this, what does Allah Ta'ala do? He forgives them their sin and then he turns the sin into itself into reward. This is ajeeb, like these types of things a human being couldn't think about these things. This is the proof that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is unlike His creation. Allah Ta'ala is unlike His creation. People think about this tawbah as well. They're like, well, you know, uh, you know, especially people who have addiction issues. People are addicted to all sorts of different things. Addiction issues, behaviors, substances, speech, all sorts of different issues. Power. A person may make tawbah from an addiction and then the addiction overwhelms them again the next day. And shaitan will come to him and say, like, oh, you're going to make tawbah again? Your tawbah is fake because you know you're just going to come back to it. Even that's bogus, even that's nonsense. Make tawbah again. Imagine if you can make tawbah for five minutes, it burns you that you did something bad. I know people who are like this, alcoholics. There was one alcoholic who used to be next to a musalla uh, uh, that uh, I prayed in one time. And the guy one day, he came, because they all know, they all, when they see us, they, they know we don't drink. Alcoholics, when they see Muslims, don't think they don't know, they know we don't drink. It mesmerizes them. They're fascinated by this idea that how could someone get through life without drinking? How nice would my life be without drinking? So this guy himself came to us. When? On the 27th of Ramadan, 27th night. He said, you guys don't drink. Oh man, you know, this alcohol, this bottle has destroyed my life. I lost my job. My wife left me. My kids left me. This, that, and the other thing. You know, Islam is great. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to, you know, I want to become a Muslim. And so we gave him the shahada. We said, go up to your apartment and then come and take a shower. Come back downstairs. We'll teach you how to pray. So we were waiting, you know, like five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour, an hour. Like two hours later, he comes back completely pickled. He's completely drunk out of his mind. <laughs> now tell me something. The guy, I mean, really, he, he, he took the shahada in sincerity. There was a brother who was like with the Jamaat Tabligh, came a Moroccan brother who was in the Jamaat. He said, they said, Just, he said, leave him alone. He said, I'll admit something to you. I don't admit it to many people. He said, I used to live in, he said, I lived in Russia for 10 years and I was an alcoholic. He said, I lived in Russia for 10 years and I was an alcoholic. He said, sometimes I would go to the masjid and I would hear a talk and my iman would be like a kite in the air. I thought I'll never touch the bottle again. That very night I'll be drunk. These addictions are very, they're very uh, uh, powerful. You know, it's not just an easy thing to let them go. That's why it's better don't get involved in them in the first place because if you're, you never drank before, it's easy to say, ah, like I'm, I don't drink. 
Once you become an alcoholic, you can, those people are the ones who hate the alcohol the most. And it's why? Because they know how destructive it is and it's the hardest for them to give it up. So imagine a person like that, make Toba and then they lapse back. They make Toba, they lapse back. Imagine just five, you make Toba and you're good on it for five minutes. Those are like the best five minutes of your day. Why would you not want those five minutes? Why would you not want those five minutes? Take whatever you can get. The Yom Al-Qiyamah is going to be a very rough day. Take whatever you can get. Don't be like Iblis that your pride prevents you from taking it. Nobody has pride in front of the Lord on the Day of Judgment. People will be roving around like madmen, looking for just one Subhanallah and one Allahu Akbar, one La Ilaha Illallah. Take whatever you can get. Who knows, maybe by the barakah of embracing those five minutes, Allah Ta'ala will give you tawfiq to keep it going for longer than that. Who knows? Imagine someone knows five minutes, this is such a uh, disease, I can't pull myself away from it, even though I hate it more than I hate anything else in the world. And the person crosses the street and gets hit. Like minute three and a half, they get hit by a car and they die. Did they die in Toba? Did they die in Toba? With Allah Ta'ala, that person is the one who has repented to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Take whatever you can get. If you have to make Toba a thousand times and it breaks a thousand and times, make it one thousand and one times in the hope that this is the time that Allah is going to help me, that I'm going to get over this. Don't be like Iblis that runs away from it. What a shame would it be that you did it a thousand times and then you left when you were so close to receiving the prize that you wanted. This process itself is a, a process by which Allah Ta'ala makes a person into a good person. The good people that you know in your life, they're not the ones who are born like, you know, like, you know, by the way, you know, since I was five years old, I would like shoot light out of my fingertips. And I was born like when I was seven, I like to pray to Hajjad for like three hours. Nobody's born like that. Extreme, extreme difficulty push, pushes them into these positions where they have to submit to the Lord and then Allah Ta'ala opens doors for them that wouldn't have been open otherwise. Why would a person fear this path? A person should love this path. A person should open their heart to this path. A person should ask for this. That, Ya Allah, I want to make tawbah. I want you to accept it. Please give me that tawbah. Make this one the time that you accept it from me. How much better than that is, is it to, how much better is it to do that than to take the path of Iblis that, that you should for, uh, uh, for, for a thousand years make Israr and, 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 and be uh, uh, stubborn in, in doing something that has no benefit for you. All it is is destruction for you and for those around you. This is not the path of Islam. This is not the path of deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq to be from the ta'ibin. Allah ta'ala make us all from the ones that He Himself writes from His mercy that He turns to us so that we can also turn to Him in tawbah and in repentance. There's so much more to talk about uh, with regards to this topic, but I've already gone on for too long. And I uh, would like to thank you for your, uh, for your attention. I was told that uh, by the Imam, Sallallahu Ta'ala, Rasulullah Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in,